Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. You're listening to the Rebel Report Podcast, where it's all Ole Miss all the time. Here's your host, Michael Borky. Welcome in, everybody, to this Friday, February 2nd edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you are with me as you always are. Thank you so much. Truly, thank you for making this podcast a part of your day, whenever and however you listen. I'm extremely thankful for you. So a handful of things going on. We have some uh, staff hiring uh, Lane Kiffin made those official, although uh, a couple of them have been on the road recruiting for uh, quite some time now, if uh, if we're being honest. They have been on staff working for some time, but the announcement came yesterday, and then we also got the reporting of one more, a new GM on staff for Lane Kiffin. Basketball as well, huge game coming up uh, tomorrow at the Pavilion, and then also the live chat from last night I will bring to you as well. Please subscribe to this podcast, by the way, wherever you get them. If you have not already, if you're listening on the website, I appreciate you. But pull out your favorite podcast app, search Rebel Report, subscribe, and leave a rating and a review. Also, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y, B-O-R-K-E-Y. I know, it's a terrible name. It's easy to make fun of, happens all the time. I'm used to it by now. It is, uh, it is the worst. But you guys are not here to hear me complain about my last name. You're here to talk about Ole Miss sports. And, and let's start with uh, the basketball game coming up tomorrow at the Pavilion. And what a huge opportunity. What a massive opportunity this is for, uh, for Ole Miss. I, I'm fired up to watch this game, if we're being totally honest. I, I can't wait to see, one, the environment that you guys create because, I mean, Tuesday was incredible. And and Chris Beard gave you a lot of props after the game, understandably so. I've, I've talked to people that were there that called it the best basketball environment that they have ever seen at Ole Miss. Chris Beard has challenged uh, you guys to create those kind of environments, and you did it on Tuesday. So I'm excited to see that again because even though, you know, Watching sports on TV, the atmosphere still matters. It's it's funny. If you guys remember, and I know this isn't everybody's favorite memory, but you think back to the COVID year when we had sports being played in, in empty arenas and in, in front of empty football stadiums, you could feel the difference as a fan watching the game, that the atmosphere impacted the, the viewership through the television. I mean, it was fun watching the game on TV on Tuesday night because of what the fans created in the environment. It was it was truly special through the TV. Being there, I couldn't imagine, uh, was anything better than just absolutely uh, awesome. It's going to be that again on Saturday. I'm looking forward to seeing the atmosphere that you guys create. But more importantly, the actual basketball game, I'm looking forward to seeing how this team, um, it, how they get back up and respond. Because Tuesday, now luckily... Because this is how college basketball works. There's a, many days in between games. It's not like in the NBA where you have back-to-backs or just one day in between or whatever. Now, it's an apples and oranges comparison, of course, because they play 82 games. They're, each individual game is far less important. But 
Having the Mississippi State game on Tuesday might be to Ole Miss's benefit, uh, just to kind of come down from that high uh, of that game to kind of recenter and, and refocus. But um, big emotional win on Tuesday night. I'm curious to see if they can get that energy right back up on Saturday and and play well and respond against a really good Auburn team that, quite frankly, forgive my language, earmuffs to the kids, everybody, kicked Ole Miss's ass when they played against each other back uh, in Auburn not too terribly long ago. So I, I'm very curious to see how this team responds to you know, coming down, getting prepared, and locking back in for this Auburn team, and how differently they play Auburn than they did when they had to go uh, to Auburn. It was very clear that the environment there uh, impacted them. There's absolutely no doubt about it that playing at Auburn, and it's Ole Miss is not the first, and they're certainly not going to be the last team that goes to Auburn in that environment and gets impacted by the game. Just like Auburn uh, had the benefit of a home crowd, they're going to have to come to Oxford, and they're going to be impacted by the home crowd. So they've got that working against them the same way that Ole Miss did uh, when they went to Auburn. But it it looked like, you know, guys like Flanagan really pressed uh, in that game. And, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of emotions for him tied into playing at Auburn, you know, getting booed and, and jeered by the same fans that, that loved you, and, and I assume he loved them too for years when he was playing there, probably pretty emotional. I would assume that that's you know in the rear view for him now, especially since he is going to be at home, but you know that's out of the way now. Uh, Ole Miss simply is better at home than they are on the road and, and all that stuff, but um, Auburn really gave them a, a lot of trouble, and I'm curious to see what kind of adjustments Chris Beard and that team makes for this game on Saturday because Auburn is is an elite-level basketball team. Like everybody else in the SEC, they're better at home than they are on the road, uh, as it turns out. But it's still a collection of elite players with a lot of depth, and they can make shots, and, and they're good on the block, and they're physical, and they're athletic, and they're well-coached, and they are everything uh, that everybody says that they are. So um, Murray's going to have to continue to to take care of the basketball and distribute the ball like he did uh, on Tuesday night. Cisse can't get into foul trouble like he did on Tuesday night. Uh, Flanagan has to to protect the ball better. I, I really like a couple of times on Tuesday where they were able to get him going downhill where it wasn't, you know, isolation dribble at the top of the key and trying to beat a guy off the dribble. It's, you know, they they had action for him to get downhill and at the basket, that's where he's at his strongest. And um, I mean, all of those things have to happen here. Uh, for them to have a chance on Saturday, and and I'm very, I'm curious, I'm excited to see uh, how this team responds, because to this point, as we talked about on the radio show some, it it is very clear that it's a very mentally strong basketball team. Uh, They have faced uh, adversity, and they've overcome it, both within the course of games and also just in the season. Uh, I mean, Tuesday, they were got down early, weren't playing well early, got into foul trouble, and they found ways. They were down seven with four minutes to go in College Station, found a way to win. You know, they had an embarrassing loss uh, at Tennessee and and overcame that. They had a bad loss at LSU and got smoked by Auburn and and came back and and overcame that. So they're they're mentally really tough. I would expect to see more of that uh, coming up tomorrow. But um, Auburn's really, really good, and it's a, a real opportunity, especially with difficult road games upcoming for them uh, to, to kind of steal one here. And especially if this game is close, because 
I wish we had this stat in college. Now, I know Ken Palm does luck, and I hate that word because I, I don't think it's an accurate descriptor of this phenomenon. So in the NBA, you, you can go to the NBA's website right now and look up uh, clutch, and that is if a game is within five points with five minutes to go. And it's an entire new set of stats. shooting, uh, Three-point shooting percentage, field goal percentage, turnover rate, all that free throw percentage, all that within that framework of, of a game. My New Orleans Pelicans, for example, are a really good offensive basketball team in the first quarter. They might be the best first quarter team in all of the NBA. But if you look at the record, you wonder, you know, how are they losing these games? They shoot so well. They're really consistent offensively. They can score. Why are they failing? Because in the clutch, they have a 30% turnover rate, worst in the NBA. Uh, New Orleans is really bad in the clutch. I bring that up to say we, we don't have those stats in college. It's a shame that we don't because I would be willing to bet Ole Miss is one of the better teams in all of college basketball in the clutch, within a five-point game with five minutes to go in the game and how they perform. That luck word that Ken Palm uses, I don't like it because if you execute and play well in that spot, you're not getting lucky. It means you are well-coached and you're a very mentally tough basketball team. Ole Miss, in the last five minutes of games, and they've demonstrated it time and time and time again, they execute offensively very well. They don't turn the basketball over. They make pressure free throws, and they make shots. That's how they were able to beat Texas A&M because Ole Miss was better in the clutch than they were. They didn't turn the basketball over. They made plays. They made free throws. And the same thing with this game against Mississippi State. They executed. Mississippi State did not. I wish we could get access to clutch stats because I think Ole Miss is one of, I mean, they are, they have so many wins this year that were close games, were down in the final minutes, they executed, they made plays, and their opponent didn't. It speaks to really good coaching, and it speaks to uh, buy-in from the players and execution from the players, and, and they're really good at that. So if if this game is close tomorrow, uh, the the fans and the atmosphere are going to have an impact, but it, it's something to keep an eye on, that, that Ole Miss really executes in close games. So all they have to do is keep it within five with five minutes to go, and you really got to love their chances uh, against a really good Auburn team. Because until proven otherwise, it's not a lucky team. It's a team that rises to the occasion, and that's all they've done in close games this uh, this season. So really looking forward to this game. Can't wait to see the kind of atmosphere you guys put together uh, for this one. And it's a huge, huge opportunity for, uh, for Ole Miss, uh, again, as we said a second ago, going into an extremely difficult uh, two road games next week. We'll get into the football stuff before uh, or after I remind you, I should say. We'll get into the football stuff after I remind you that the podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. Check them out online, absms.com. That's the website if you're Mississippi business, and I mean anywhere in Mississippi, is in the market for office technology, anything from copiers and printers and mail machines to Cloud storage, data security, IT projects, phone systems, whatever it is. If it's technology, if it's in the office, and your Mississippi business needs it, check them out online, absms.com. Tell them I sent you. You'll get a complimentary office technology assessment, so you tell them what you need and what your budget is, and they will find a solution for you on me. 
That's Advantage Business Systems, absms.com for all of your office technology needs. The podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority. they got 16 locations here in Mississippi, so there's likely one in your backyard. They make you their priority with their online banking platform. It's a one-stop shop. All you need is an internet connection, and you can do everything that you want to do with your money without needing multiple apps like I used to with my previous bank. They also make you their priority with local loan servicing and decision-making. It's somebody that will be that you'll sit down with face-to-face, that, that lives in the same places that you do and not somebody on Zoom or out of state helping you get a loan because Priority One Bank makes you their priority. So Lane Kiffin announced a handful of, um, uh, of staff hires, and I mean, two of them have been working uh, for, for quite some time. Uh, George McDonald is a new wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator. He comes by way of Illinois, replacing Derek Nix, obviously. He's been on the road recruiting uh, for the last few days already. That that news broke a while ago, but they made it official yesterday. Uh, that is uh, a really strong hire, and that is also why I don't make predictions on who Lane Kiffin is going to hire because so often uh, he will replace a lost staff member with somebody that was not on like everybody's radar initially, but that is what that, that is what Lane Kiffin does. One thing that you can't deny is that when Lane Kiffin is adding staff, whether it's because a staff member left or because he fired them, his Rolodex, however he was able to compile these, is really, really strong. George McDonald's not some kind of a retread that you know that used to coach at, at Ole Miss or whatever, like you're seeing happen uh, one state over on the plains. It's um, it's an impressive hire. D- did a really really good job at uh, Illinois, which by the way is his alma mater. So he was able to poach um, uh, the Illinois wide receiver coach to be the wide receiver coach at Ole Miss, and he's from there. They. Um, they were really good, overachieved uh, at Illinois. So uh, according to the release, Illinois was in the top five in the Big Ten in 2023 in passing total yards and uh, scoring. So they were fifth in scoring, tied for fourth in total yards, and top three, they were third in passing. So he was the receivers coach, and now he's the passing game coordinator at Ole Miss. Really nice hire. He's been on the road recruiting for quite some time. He was at NC State for uh, for a while. Uh, he was there for hell, five years, and um, if you look at what NC State did at that position and in recruiting, you, you know that clearly he's got a pedigree that can, uh, that can do well at Ole Miss. The other one is Joe Cox. Joe Cox is the tight ends coach. He has been super active on, uh, on Twitter, showing you every place that he's been visiting lately. He's been, um, been working for Ole Miss for a little while now, as uh, as well, he's the new uh, the new tight ends coach. He comes over from Alabama, uh, an ace recruiter. He's been at Alabama for the last two years. Uh, he was uh, tight ends coach at Charlotte. He was on Will Muschamp's staff at South Carolina. Uh, he has a pedigree. He has he has recruiting chops, and he has been grinding already since uh, since he left. So two good staff hires. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. With all off-the-field staff, I mean, it's hard to know if if these are quote-unquote upgrades, frankly. 
uh, the, the resumes are there, the pedigrees are there. Hiring from Nick Saban's former staff now uh, is always a positive thing. When you look at these two guys' resumes, they're really, really impressive. And so that's really all I can go by. To be honest with you, I, I didn't know who George McDonald was until Ole Miss hired him. So the resume looks like it checks out as a more than adequate replacement for Derek Nix. And again, if Nick Saban wants a guy on his staff, then I think it's I think you want a guy on your staff that Nick Saban had on his. It's really quite simple. Look at Pete Golding, for example. I know that there was so much reaction from Alabama people about how bad Pete Golding sucks and local radio guys in Alabama are just ripping on Pete Golding and Nick Saban kept him on staff for years and so when you talk about how bad Golding sucks you're implying that Nick Saban does not know defense and so it was always stupid and you're already seeing how good of a hire Pete Golding was Um, if Nick Saban wanted Joe Cox on his staff you want him on yours one plus one equals two That's not all, though. That's not all the staff hiring that's happened. Uh, Austin Thomas left for LSU, Ole Miss's general manager, and he has been replaced. He has been replaced with, um, uh, hey, dad had a lot of fun, a lot of fun yesterday. Uh, He couldn't control his laughter when Richard was teasing this hire, and uh, Richard jokingly refused to say his name to get hey, dad to laugh anyway. uh, Billy Glasscock uh, comes to Ole Miss from Texas. And look, this is another situation where I'm just going to be fully transparent with you. I didn't know who Billy Glasscock was until yesterday. And so what I do in situations like this, like for example, with McDonald in Illinois, Illinois people were furious that he left for Ole Miss. That's a pretty good sign that you're hiring a good coach. And I did the same thing with Billy Glasscock. I, I scanned uh, the Texas media the media landscape to see what they thought about his departure. And everybody uh, had the, the same take, that it's a loss. Some people were confused that Lane Kiffin was able to poach Texas's uh, player personnel guy to basically the same role uh, at Ole Miss. I mean, he'll, he'll be the GM. And, you know, I've had people ask, what exactly is that? Think NFL GM. That's essentially what he does. Um it's basically the same thing with college nuances applied, but you know they handle recruiting and organization and and program player personnel management. They deal with the collective and and balance all of those things, just like an NFL general manager does. But the Texas people were confused, and that's a good thing as to how Ole Miss was able to poach their guy and how Lane Kiffin was able to poach their guy. Uh, Texas has done a remarkable job in recruiting, and also they are very good and active and efficient in the transfer portal. This, uh, on paper, looks to be an incredibly strong hire. He also was at NC State. Uh, again, Dave Doran also knows how to evaluate staff and hire staff and evaluate players and recruit. He's got a really solid operation going uh, there at NC State. They're always solid. They're always putting players in the NFL. Now you've got two guys that coached under Dave Doran, also another good sign at what kind of talent evaluators they are, because Doran is really good at this. And so now you've got guys that have have worked for him uh, on on your staff there at uh, at Ole Miss. So uh, big pickup. Thomas was a big loss 
They really liked what, what he did and what he was able to do in, in the organization and the recruiting and all that. And replacing him with the guy that did as well as he did at Texas is a really, really good sign. Coaches want to coach for Lane Kiffin, as it as it turns out. I mean, what else can you say about it? It's glaringly obvious that Lane Kiffin has a really good reputation as a guy that you want to work for because he is able to poach staff members and take quote-unquote lateral moves to go coach for him. Clearly, something is going right for uh, for Kiffin and the reputation that he has built at, uh, at Ole Miss. So there you go. Those are the three new staff hires. We'll go to the live chat now. And before we get to it, I want to, uh, I want to make a promise to you. Because I talked about this last night. Uh, I talked about NIL portal stuff and should we be worried about college football. And, and the second I ended the, uh, the live stream, I thought, what a waste of time that was. And here's why. Because I am, quite frankly, so sick to death of the whining and complaining about the current state of college football. The season was great. I know there are broken things about it that need to get fixed. I understand it. But until something changes, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. The games themselves were awesome. The season itself was awesome. I'm going to stop letting the words of the Boston College coach with a losing record and the overreaction from the media tried to to bring me down to that level to complain about college football. The games themselves were awesome. The season was awesome. This offseason is going to be great. It's it's not all perfect, don't get me wrong, but until something changes, I'm going to stop complaining. So this is the last time until news happens, that being the caveat, until we get news that we're going to talk about this. So it's the live stream talking about the current state of college football and everybody complaining and, and all that and solutions and and whatnot. This is the last time you're going to hear from me about it until something actually newsworthy happens. Until then, we're going to talk about just sports because there's enough there. I'm sick of the the whining and complaining from people that offer no solutions. All they do is complain. And so this is the last time you're going to hear this. That's my promise to you. But here that is now, live chat with a a four-year-old co-host in the back sometimes. He would not go to bed. Last night. So here that is now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I'll uh, I'll talk to you after the Auburn game on Saturday. Talk to you then. Should we be worried about the future of college football? And uh, let's um let's not let this concept be lost on everybody. The games are over now, and everybody's back to hating the sport again. We had months of actual college football. When college football was going on, nobody complained about anything, did they? I mean, it, we just we loved the sport because when the games were actually going on, it was all the same. Everything about college football was the exact same that we've always known. And so now that the season's over, everybody's back to complaining about the future of the sport. And let, let's not let that be missed during this conversation. These complaints only happen when the games aren't happening because when the games are happening, it's still the sport that we know and love with a little bit more parity than what we're used to. But there, there is all of this stuff. You've got the lawsuits in the entire state of Tennessee, every legal arm in the state of Tennessee now going after the NCAA 
And you've got the other thing. You had Boston College's coach leave to take a coordinator job uh, in the NFL, and that led to the discourse that we are currently undergoing right now, and that is quite simply that uh, college football is changing. It has changed a lot, and there are people, stakeholders and stuff that do not like it to the point where we have um, coaches leaking to the media that they're leaving their job to take an NFL job because they don't like the current state of the sport. And, you know, two things can be true at once. That's just kind of the beauty of discourse. And and everybody tries to make the portal NIL conversation black and white, where it's this, it's either you love it and you think it's amazing and you don't want anything to change and that the players should get all of the freedom in the world and all the money in the world and everybody else that talks about restrictions is bad because you do have that as part of the discourse for sure. And then you've got the complete opposite where it's the sport is ruined. We're all going to die. This is the worst. We need to restrict everything and take their scholarships away. And there's like, there's very little room for, for nuance in this conversation because Boston College's coach leaving turned it into, oh my gosh, oh, we're going to lose coaches in the sport. And this is so bad because the, the word is that other coaches want to go to the NFL. And uh, I mean, is that a new phenomenon? When suddenly did we start thinking that now college coaches would prefer to coach in the NFL? The NFL has always been better from a quality of life perspective then college. College has always come with side drama. Recruiting and stuff has always been an issue. Now, I'm not naive. It's a lot worse now than it was before, but the NFL was always where people wanted to go. Nick Saban jumped to the NFL. Uh, You have example after example over the years of quality college football coaches jumping to the NFL because that's that's, that's the pinnacle of the sport. So trying to spin a guy getting into the NFL as just about the current state of college football and not that the NFL is a better quality of life, regardless if it's the portal NIL era or not. And once you get an NFL job, it's like you never can't get an NFL job. They, the nepotism at the league. I mean, you're, you're just recycling guys over and over and over and over again. So you, you jump at that opportunity if it's given to you and let's not pretend like Boston college was rolling. Okay. This is a chance to, get out of a situation that might have led to you getting terminated anyway. So uh, I understand that it's complicated and, and coaches are getting burnt out because they're working harder than they've ever had to before. But let's not use the Boston College coach who hasn't exactly been great uh, jumping to the NFL as like, uh, oh, here's why everything is awful and we need to fix it all today because we might lose a coach. And then you've got this talking point now that well we other coaches might retire because they've had enough you know why they're contemplating that in part anyway because they are making so much freaking money that they can retire early college coaches are richer than they've ever been you've got at Ole Miss for example a head coach making over nine million a defensive coordinator making over two million and an offensive coordinator and it's debatable how much of the offense he's actually in control of making over one million dollars the coaches are richer than they've ever been before the departments are making more money than they ever have before and the um everything about the stakeholders 
are richer than they've ever been. TV contracts, season tickets are more expensive than they've ever been, and the coaches are, are richer than they've ever been before. So let's not pretend like it's so awful at, for a college football coach right now when they are collecting the checks that they are collecting. Their, their money has increased so dramatically, so dramatically their money has increased that it's hard for me to gain sympathy for their job getting more difficult. Now, that doesn't mean that restrictions aren't needed, but let's not just buy the multi-million dollar coach with multi-million dollar guaranteed contracts have it so tough. And oh my gosh, I feel so bad for them. I'm not going to buy into that and I never will. But that doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about the future of college football. It has nothing to do with coaches to me. That, that That's not where I'm going to focus my attention. That That's not where you're going to sell me at, at all. I have no sympathy. If, if you're going to get sympathy out of me, it's going to be for the, the staff members that don't make millions of dollars, that are making lower class salaries, and they're working the hardest. Those guys I feel bad for. Those are the ones that we need to try to gain sympathy with. Otherwise, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear millionaire football coaches complaining complaining about their jobs being difficult. Spare me. What's going on in Tennessee concerns me. That's where I am worried. Uh, because what is happening right now, and we've, we've talked about it before, and you guys know this, American courts hate the NCAA model. They, they look at it as illegal, in, in effect. The NCAA model is dying. It's going to die. It's over. It's done. The NCAA's done. Their model is being attacked by six different mega lawsuits at the moment, and there will be more. Anytime they try to enforce a arbitrary rule that they change constantly, an attorney general of a state is going to sue them. That is going to happen. Uh, so it, it's over from that perspective. Legally, their model is indefensible. It has been proven time and time and time again. What concerns me the most, though, is nobody in college sports is stepping up to offer realistic solutions. The head of the NCAA's proposal was a joke that should not be taken seriously, and nobody else in the sport is offering anything. All they're doing is complaining. I mean, Kirby Smart after the Orange Bowl, they got to do something about this, so so they got to fix this. Well, propose something then, please. What I hate the most is people that complain about something without offering solutions. A stakeholder that complains without offering solutions. I can't stand it. But nobody in college sports is willing to bite the bullet and get out ahead of this. Instead, we've got attorneys general and judges and lawmakers with all kinds of different agendas setting precedent. And unless somebody takes this bull by the horns and gets it under control, most likely being a breakaway, we've talked about that before, that's the thing that has to happen. But until somebody actually starts making that happen, attorneys general, lawmakers, governors, senators, judges are going to be dictating the rules of college sports. That concerns me because we're not going to like what they decide. Because what they're going to end up deciding is what is happening right now, basically, but permanently. 
or or it becomes exclusively for profit and the non-revenue sports go away. And I'm deeply concerned about that as well. That worries me because I know that women's basketball loses millions of dollars and golf loses hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I mean, there's no men's soccer teams left anymore, but men's soccer loses a lot of money and all of gymnastics loses money and tennis loses money. They all lose money, but they all provide opportunity for young people to get an education and, and sports are extremely valuable, even though they don't make money. And so unless people that understand that legally the players of the revenue sports are going to have to get paid and we have to do something about that now or else a judge is going to destroy everything. I'm concerned about the everything being destroyed, but not college football. That'll be fine. The games will still exist. That's too big to fail. I'm not worried about the future of college football. I'm worried about the future of college sports and their existence altogether until somebody gets out ahead of this. It's not football that we need to worry about. It'll be fine. This season was amazing. It's not basketball that we need to worry about. It'll be fine. You guys having fun this year? I think all of you are having fun this year. It's those of us that, although I know the average person doesn't quote-unquote care about the tennis programs, those of us that, that know that how valuable those are. Because if this becomes an exclusively for-profit entity, those will all go away. And that's legally where this is headed. That's what I'm concerned about. So, little man's being great right now. He's behaving so well. So we're going to keep going until uh, until things change. He's just hanging out. Will you say hi? Say hi. Hi. That's right. All right. Let's read some of your messages. Uh, say, who that? Who that? That's right. All right. Let's read some of these messages here. Imagine if the higher-ups at Ole Miss in 2016-17 hadn't been completely idiotic complying with the NCAA and fought it. Maybe we'd be further down the road now with the NCAA being abolished. Yeah, it's funny that the media energy around the Ole Miss case, uh, what that was versus now. All Ole Miss did was everything that people are advocating for now, right? Better late than never, uh, I suppose. But, I, I mean, it is abundantly clear that the NCAA has been rendered powerless by the legal arms of this country. So now I am I am waiting for somebody like Greg Sankey to take control of this because until that day comes, chaos is the only thing that we're going to have. It's the only thing. Let little man run the show tonight. <laughs> uh, nobody should be worried for the future when college football kicks off on August 31st. All worries will go away. It's usually how it goes. Transfer portal and NIL were always inherently a, quote, good thing. But as everyone knows, when things stay unregulated, they get way out of control. Got a love-hate relationship with NIL needs reform. Absolutely. I'm the GOAT with my topics. Love it. Well, I love you, man. Glad that uh, glad that you are here. Football and basketball need to break away from the NCAA. Players should become university employees and sign multi-year contracts. Uh, yes, that I mean, that, that, that absolutely... It has to happen. And I don't know why, David. I mean, we talk about it a lot. It seems like it's a pretty popular topic of conversation around Mississippi, like other media outlets around here. 
talk about that pretty regularly, but nationally, it's never part of the discourse. Like nobody talks about that nationally. And, and I think they're afraid to bring that up because then they'll get called like a hater of the women's sports or something like that. And quite frankly, if you want to save women's sports, football breaking away w- would go a long way to making sure, I think, that those stick around. If you make all em- athletes employees or Title IX doesn't matter anymore because it's an employee-employer agreement, they're all going to go away. So um, maybe that's why people don't talk about that enough nationally, but w- what needs that that's exactly what needs to happen and why people like Greg Sankey are not getting out ahead of this and talking about it so strongly frustrates me because he's the type that will stay – he stood on the – stage at SEC Media Days last year and talked about how Congress needs to save us. Well, well, they're not going to. They never will. So do something about it. I, I am uh, – yeah, do something about it. I'm sure you saw Walker Johnson on a tweet earlier talking about a potential NIL deal for the Ole Miss floor manager. <laughs> that would be amazing. He's a good guy who does a great job. Yeah, that would uh, – uh, he, he got his uh, day in the spotlight today. That was cool. Uh, doing the press conference and stuff like that. College football should be for 17 to 24 year olds. It is already 17 uh, high school. I don't know. Uh, are you, so you're talking about expanding the age of them. So like dipping into seniors in high school and then expanding their eligibility for a couple of years, making it a longer age gap. The problem right now is there's no uniform rules. Yeah. Because nobody can enforce them. Because you can't, because you can't collectively bargain with non-employees. That that's the issue, and and for some reason that's not talked about enough either. All these people have these ideas. Oh, let's do this. Let's do that. Like I saw that article, and, and I, I tweeted it from Outkick the other day, talking about and and like the last paragraph was, um, each player should be capped at a hundred thousand dollars. That's more than fair. It's like, man, do you not pay attention at all to the sport you cover? Do you, or, or just think about that concept from a legal perspective. That is capping the earning potential of a non-employee. You can't do that. You can't cap the, the ability to move a regular college student. You can't do that. And so like these people with these ideas, just they, they just don't pay attention. Nobody pays attention to what's going on. You can't restrict non-employees earning potential and you can't restrict the movement of non-employees so what do you do about it you collectively bargain with them and you get control back and making athletes employees is a scary thing because like i talked about a second ago you can't do it for all of them because then sports will go away but if you do it with football and basketball have that a separate business entity you can create rules again because Baseball is a different animal in about 15 programs in the sport. Otherwise, no other sport deals with the the insanity that this is. Those are more often real NIL deals. Livy Dunn is a millionaire because of her actual name and image and likeness truly having value absent what she does in gymnastics. So, so that is more pure, and I don't know if you have to bring those programs under the university umbrella, 
and have the, the school fund them as opposed to an athletic department fund them. Maybe that's where this has to go, but this has to go somewhere else because the only way you can have rules and restrictions is collective bargaining. The players have to have a say, and right now they don't have a say, but judges do and lawmakers do. That's it. So until the players have a say, and I know they're getting money from collectives, but as you guys know, the collective is not the university. I'm talking about directly from the schools. The NCAA still restricts what the schools can give to the players. They are not employees. You cannot have that restriction. A judge will shoot that down every time. It's going to happen. They're going to keep getting sued. It's going to happen. Tennessee's going to win against the NCAA in every state moving forward that has a major school that gets investigated by the NCAA is just going to sue and they're going to win. College is much like the NFL now as far as pay goes, or at least the ratio is. A college head coaching job now is a more undesirable job than the NFL because of the added recruiting changes due to NIL, question mark. Well, well, a college head coach, at least to me, has always been less desirable uh, than an NFL head coach. I, I don't think anything has changed there. Um, at all. I mean, college coaches make an insane um, uh, amount of money. With schools starting to ignore the NCAA on rulings, what's to stop a guy from keeping going to a school and playing as long as they are taking classes? That might be the next step. It really might. Some somebody's just going to sue because why? Why are you not letting me play anymore? Why? How can you restrict me of that? I'm a regular college student. That's what you say. Taking classes has to be about as loose of a term as possible. Yeah, South Park nailed it. Student athletes. The only thing you can think of is tiered caps on different amounts of years you commit to. Two years you can make X amount, which is more than one year contract, which would be capped. But again, Don, you, you've got to collectively bargain that agreement. You can't just force it on them because they're not employees. You cannot force anything. They have to They have to have a seat at the table. That's how the NFL has a salary cap because the players are part of the negotiations. And, and when you look at owners versus players, when they, when they get to their collective bargaining agreement, both sides have to give. The players didn't want the 17th game. The owners apparently wanted 18 games. The players didn't want an additional game, but they had to give into that to get other things they wanted. It's a true negotiation, but because of that, there are very strict rules in the NFL that are enforceable. I mean, it's everything from how they interview coaches to how players are paid and the caps and how everything is managed because they had they collectively bargained with them to set those rules. That's what has to happen if you want to enforce rules. I don't think that there's any other way without a breakaway and some kind of mutual agreement. Makes you wonder what was actually stopping Jim Harbaugh from coaching Michigan when he was suspended. The college football playoff obviously didn't care. And and the college football playoff isn't the NCAA. They The college football playoff committee said, remember, that um, – Michigan's sign-stealing scandal was an NCAA matter, not theirs, so they didn't take it into account when they ranked the team. So Jim Harbaugh's suspension is an NCAA matter. It's not the college football playoffs matter. So, Coach, I mean, 
Well, so what if you get a bowl ban? Because the only goal is to make the 12 team playoff, right? That's the goal is to make the playoff. So cheat your ass off. And if the NCAA tries to give you a bowl ban, your state's going to sue them anyway. But in the meantime, the college football playoff committee is not a bowl game. You're, you're not banned from the college football playoff. That's, that's a different entity. They do it all on their own. You don't think that anyone should be worried about college football in general. The coaches that want to get a head start in the new era of football will step up to the challenge. HYDR for Madison. Exactly. Yeah, I, I really, I think that the millionaire coaches are the worst messengers to how awful everything is. Jimbo Fisher got $77 million to go away. To go away. You've got assistant coaches with seven-figure buyouts on their contracts right now. You've got wide receiver coaches making $900,000 a year. Can you have a for-profit entity as a university? Yeah. If you operate it as, as a business arm, absolutely. I mean, the stu- I, look, that's not my area of expertise, although you could argue that I don't have an area of expertise at all. But like, the student newspaper at Ole Miss, for example, when I was there, um, I mean, they operated. They, they tried to make a profit. They had a sales department selling ads to make money on the student newspaper. You're right. Revenue sharing would destroy much of college sports. It, it, it absolutely would. If you made if that's why the, the head of the NCAA's proposal was so preposterous, because thank you. Thank you, buddy. The the head of the NCAA's proposal was so preposterous because he wanted to treat all the sports the same, and they're not. And so if you make them, all of them, if you blanket it, like there, there's this article about Florida State uh, with, with private equity getting involved in funding their exit from the ACC. What do you think a private equity firm would think about the way colleges operate their athletic department? You know what their first bit of advice would be? If it became a true business, cut all of it. What are you talking about? This sport loses $4 million? Cut it. All of it. So that can't be part of this. Private equity can't save college sports because they would tell you to cut them all. You're just waiting for the day when the conferences break away. Needs to happen. I mean, I I really... You know, if nothing comes out between now and media days, uh, I'll ask Greg Sankey about it uh, in in Dallas because somebody needs to ask him about it. Why do you insist on asking Congress for help? Why is the most powerful league in the SEC allowing all of this to happen and people that do not have your best interest at heart? Um that have their own personal agendas, that have no interest in actually getting anything done, why are you the most powerful person in college sports depending on them to save it for you? Yeah, letting states like California try to dictate it is a quick way to destroy everything. Absolutely. Thoughts on complications with Title IX if they move towards eliminating sports that don't generate revenue? Well, those will remain as long as um, the athletes are considered amateurs. The current structure complies with Title IX because the athletes are not employees, right? They're students. 
and, and everything's equally funded and the schools aren't paying the athletes. However, you cannot restrict the NCAA has learned you cannot restrict them. So you can keep it as is and the non-revenue sports will continue to exist as long as they're compliant with Title IX. I have a feeling that moving forward, you're going to see unnecessary sports start to get cut. It's already happened in some places. I think it's going to happen more. But the current setup allows them to exist. Once you make them employees, you don't have to comply with Title IX anymore. There will be idiots who simply cannot accept the fact that football and men's basketball make the profits. Absolutely. And and it's, for some reason, people are afraid to talk about it. For some reason, they are. Livy Dunn is famous for, let's be honest, her looks and her TikTok fame. Well, I mean, to me, Matt Reif is only famous because he, he's good looking. I don't, th- I don't think he's a particularly good comedian. You, you can go ahead, buddy. That's fine. You need to go potty? Okay, go. I, I, I will be back in a Okay, okay. Sorry about that. Um, but I, I think Matt Reif is only a famous comedian because he's good looking. I, you know, that, that's a fact of life. I just, uh, good on her for, for capitalizing on it. But yes, she is an exception. Um, uh, not the norm. Suni Lee is an exception. Uh, not because she's TikTok famous. Suni Lee's an exception, even though she already left college, but because she was the best gymnast in literally planet Earth. So, yeah. The NFL, while not perfect, is a pretty well-oiled machine. It is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. It is um, it is as balanced as, as a sport could possibly be. It is so incredibly well-run. Um, everything about it. I mean, I, again, I, I know there's officiating shortcomings and stuff like that. But by and large, it's... It's what college football should strive to be. That's why another thing that people say so often is, oh, it's becoming the NFL. And my response always is, you guys, if you listen to me long enough, you know, my response is always, no, it needs to be more like the NFL. The NFL should be the standard by which college football tries to become while maintaining all of the stuff we love about it, the traditions and the weirdness and all that stuff. The Tennessee case is easy. If Nico stays, Nico plays. End of story. If he attends class and passes, he can play. NCAA loses again. They're hopeless. You're at a hockey rink waiting for your son. Thank you, buddy. Okay, you brought me a motorcycle. Um, Oh, so you're on the East Coast. Don, my my little guy loves hockey. Don't you? Do you like hockey? Yeah. Yeah. He he loves hockey, but there's no hockey league in... You are, yep, we're getting you some roller skates because we're going to do it. Let's talk about roller skates. You want me to talk about roller skates? Yeah. Yeah, because we're going to get you some, right? We're going to get you some. Oh, I wish we could roller skate right now. But but there's no hockey league around here. There's nothing. So I don't know what we're going to do. Nothing. Nothing means there's nothing. But hey, buddy, I need about five more minutes, okay? Can we be quiet for five more minutes? Okay, who that? Who that? All right. Um, yeah, Don, I, I I need to figure something out. So Matt Reif is so overrated. I can't. I I respect that he like 
grinded through like the small clubs and stuff to get to where he is. But yes, uh, he's he's popular. I mean, I don't think he's like unfunny, but there are so many better comedians out there that have a fourth of the fame because they don't look like he does. It's just, you know, that's a fact of life. It is what it is. You're lucky it's expensive and takes you to beautiful cities like Buffalo and Detroit. Man, hey, go get wing nuts in Buffalo next time you're up there. It'll change your life. Lucky is us. We are lucky. I'll, I'll try to explain that I'm in a little bit. Lucky. You're just calling it how it is. Social media and looks play a huge role in NIL and fame for college athletes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And, and that's okay, man. Uh, it, but like Caitlin Clark's an exception too. You know, she's just an exceptional uh, player uh, as well. So I see that. Where is it? I, it fell. You're going to send me some Predators merch? Man, f- Fanatics will break your bank account if you do that. I, I appreciate the, the kindness and the gesture, but please don't do that. Fanatics uh, will literally break your bank account if you try to do that. I got a – here's a Fanatic story for you. I got him a Zion jersey, so a T-shirt jersey, and it has a hole in it already. One wear. Got a hole right in the side where where the tag was. Just there's a hole now because the, the tag wasn't put on correctly or whatever. Um, so, yeah, Fanatics is just the best. What are my thoughts on the rumor of Quinshawn taking a $300,000 pay cut? Sounds about right, quite frankly. But that sounds about right. Everything that has happened since uh, he has gone to Ohio State, every interview, everything that's been said is only confirming what was initially reported that a lot of people around here didn't believe and that um, he was, after the Peach Bowl, was not welcome back in that locker room. So you, uh, it is what it is. You, you know, there, there are people that still don't believe that, and that's fine, but... I think that has been confirmed. If you if you listen closely and read between the lines, I think it's been pretty well laid out. So, thoughts on the Ole Miss and MSU basketball games on Saturday? Ooh, diff- very difficult challenges, right? Uh, for for different reasons. I, I mean, I think Auburn. It's weird to say this. I think Auburn's better than Alabama, even though Alabama beat Auburn. But um, no, I, I, it's not a free shot for Ole Miss because it's at home. Uh, but it's as close to a free shot for a home game as you can get. I mean, this is a team that should be playing really loose and comfortable. Uh, should be an incredible environment. And um, I'm honestly just kind of looking forward to seeing if they can rise to the challenge. It's not a must win for Mississippi State. But, but man, I mean, if they lose this one, they could really fall uh, into a trap here record-wise. And I know the metrics like them, but the record – uh, it will be what it is. And at some point, um, they've got to start putting wins together. So I think this is an important game for them to, you know, they got to go steal one, right? Because they, they've given up a couple of games earlier in the season. They gave up one uh, to Alabama earlier in the season. They got to steal one eventually to get the, the win number back on track.
running back is the most replaceable position in all of sports. Enjoy the Columbus. Well, Ole Miss needs to get another running back, though, I think. Exactly, Edward. And and this is the kind of logic, though, that a lot of people just refused. If you want proof, look at him playing in the Peach Bowl. And, and you know, despite all the stuff, he ran hard in the game. No one plays a non-playoff game and then transfers. Absolutely. The, the, that day, there was no expectation to transfer. That day. It's Ole Miss versus Auburn, one of the biggest games in Ole Miss basketball history. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Ooh, um, one of the biggest games in Ole Miss basketball history. I don't think so, because what are the consequences if they lose? You know what I mean? So I think for a game to be one of the biggest games in the school's history, there has to be something that you lose if you lose. You know what I mean? So, like, in years past when they have made the tournament, I know it hasn't been many years, but losing those games literally ends your season, right? Winning the SEC in 2013 is a little bit of a different story, but Saturday, a loss, they don't lose anything. You know, there's... They're still in great shape if they lose the game. They're still on the path to make it make the tournament. A lot can be gained with a win, but very little can be lost here in this game. So, I mean, I'd have to really think about that. You're putting me on the spot there, but I, I just I don't think there's much there's much to lose. And when there's not really anything to lose, I, I can't um, I can't qualify it as one of the biggest games in program history because they've you know they've been to a Sweet Sixteen. That they've played in the tournament, you know, a few times, most recently in 2019. So there would be a lot more bigger games that, than this one just because there's nothing really to lose on Saturday. Not much anyway. Lucky, Luckily for State, even at 3-6, and six, they have a chance to string wins after Alabama. The schedule gets much lighter but can't lose. Absolutely. Way too early to be biggest in history. Tournament games are the biggest. Have I seen a team play worse defense than Kentucky? Uh, yeah, Vanderbilt. But, <laughs> no, they're, I'm with you, though. They are underachieving relative to talent, anyway. Sweet 16 was probably the biggest in school history. Wisconsin and LaSalle in 2013 was some of the biggest in recent memory. Yeah, man, that LaSalle game. What a missed opportunity that was. What a missed opportunity that was. Um, that Wisconsin game was unbelievable. I watched that at the Lyric, uh, of all things. The, the Lyric was packed for that game. It was incredible. And then Marshall Henderson's at the bar across the street from the arena after the game. Got in trouble for that. There's no layups left on Ole Miss's schedule. Aside from maybe Missouri, they're going to have to win some tough games. They are, but that's life in the SEC right now, right? Um but but the thing is, they're they're a tough team, so you know they're going to have to win tough games. Absolutely, and that's true. But everybody should be looking at Ole Miss on their schedule as shit. I got to play Ole Miss. You know, it's uh, it's it's both. Will this be uploaded on the podcast? Yes, it will. So I will. I'm going to record some other stuff uh, tomorrow morning after I drop him off at school. We're going. Uh, I'm going to. Because they announced two hires today, and then the GM uh, broke. So I'll talk about all of those, and then 
uh, go to this in uh, in the podcast. So, but I'm gonna get going. It is late. It is an hour and fifteen minutes past bedtime. So we're going to we're gonna go take care of uh, of that. Thank you guys. Come here, buddy. You want to come say bye? Come here. Come say bye. Come say bye. Wait. Oh, wait. Which, which side? Which side? This side. Come here. Come say bye. Come say bye. Bye bye. And say I'll see you later. See you later. Say it loud and proud. I'll see you later. I'll see you later. And who that? Who that? Who that? Who that say they're going to beat them Saints? Oh, and also, also, who plays for the Pelicans? Stinky. No, Stinky doesn't play for the Pelicans. Let's answer correctly. Who plays for the Pelicans? And? 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 Jonas, let's go. All right, say bye. Bye. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.